Dads, thanks for coming today. Thanks for bringing your crew. Uh, thank you, men, uh, for trying to be who God wants you to be and even being a part of God's church here in this place. Um, if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, I'd like to read to you, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you uh, from His Word. Um, and I want to uh, start reading, we, I know we handled this last week, verse 18, uh, but I want to read from verse 18 through the end of the chapter, and we'll be handling that last section um, uh, starting in verse uh, 21 today, okay? So God's Word says this, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only uh, to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not um, threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on a tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. <clears throat> God, thank You for uh, this beautiful day. Thank You for what it represents to us as fathers and as families. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We realize that it has much to instruct us on. Uh, God, correct our wrong thinking. Help us to uh, be mindful of the price that you paid in your son. Help us to uh, reflect on that and to walk in that and to cling to that and not abandon it. Help us uh, to be the church and specifically the men and fathers that you desire us to be. God, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this morning, as we continue our study in the book of First Peter, um, what a great passage to talk about at Father's Day, uh, to talk about how uh, how Christ has done it all for us. And this morning we're going to see how Christ is everything that a dad would need. Uh, that Christ is the, the hope that we have, the only hope that we uh, can really trust in, the example that we need, the Redeemer um, that can do and, and heal us from uh, a sin sickness that no one, can, no one can get away from. This morning, I have three points for you this morning, and they're all about Christ, all about Him. This passage that we're looking at is uh, greatly connected to Isaiah 53. If you think about Isaiah 53, 
It is, um, uh, in the Old Testament, it is a prophecy about the Messiah that is to come, the anointed one, the, the one that is going to save sinners. And so this passage connects to that. It's even quoted uh, two, three times in, in our passage this morning from Isaiah 53. It's interesting, too, as I was thinking through um, the, the book of First Peter, <coughs> excuse me, Peter is, uh, he focuses on Christ. Uh, Christ is not the name of Jesus. It's really the title. It's connected to the Messiah in the Old Testament. In fact, uh, there's really no place in the book of First Peter where Peter says, just Jesus. He uh, connects the two, Jesus Christ, or he just refers to Jesus as Christ, his title, if you will. And that's interesting for us that he is fixated on that Christ was coming as the anointed one and he was coming to go to the cross to save sinners like you and me. It's important to remember that, that Jesus wasn't just a man. He was the Savior, the one who came planned by God, by His Father, to redeem mankind, to change us. If you remember, last week we looked at uh, slavery, really, slavery in the Bible. And it's hard for us to imagine, uh, living in the United States of America, that throughout the world, and definitely in biblical times, slavery was commonplace. And we, we talked last week that maybe even up to 60% or so of all people that would have read this uh, in the, the places where First Peter was directed to would have been slaves. And maybe even more so in the church of God's redeemed people. And the more I've reflected on that, uh, the more I, I thought about what a great message the gospel is for slaves, for people who uh, have been persecuted and have suffered, how great a message it is. And for us here this morning to maybe in our comforts to realize that uh, our comforts might mask our real need. That we need Jesus. We need the one, the, the anointed one that was to come, that was to die on a cross, to have the freedom from our sins that only He can provide. And so this morning, as we look at this, we remember it's in the backdrop of slavery that uh, Peter was seeking to encourage his people. So we see uh, that Jesus uh, is called, you look at it, verse 21. We see the example of Christ, really uh, the example of Christ in verses 21 through 23. He says, to this you were called. And if you're wondering what the this is, it's, it's to suffering. If you look back in the passage, you see before he talks about slavery, he talks about terrible government. Can I get an amen? No, no I, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Some of you weren't ready for me this morning. You're not ready for me. Uh, but uh, he talks about terrible government, and much more so in the biblical times, right? He was probably speaking of Nero at this time. 
the killing of Christians. And so he goes from terrible government that might oppress to be subject to them. And then he says to, for slaves to be subject to masters. And, and maybe the idea of being beaten and treated unjustly there. And you go, how can this be? And uh, even as I shared with you the next couple of weeks as we look, and not next week, uh, first and third service next week and then following week. But we're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to be talking about marriage. Uh, both living with a difficult husband, no amens there either, and then even struggling with your wife, like to think those things through and to say, how can I live if I'm suffering? And, and we have this dumb idea in our minds that we can't do right if we don't get what we want. And the scripture is uh, giving us, God is giving us a message of hope and direction. Uh, and he's seeking to present Christ as the one that we can submissively suffer when life doesn't end up like we want it to. It says in verse 21, he says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Christ suffered not for himself. Not for himself. I I think that's important for us to get all the time. Is that Jesus didn't suffer because of things that he had done. He suffered for you and for me. He suffered for us. And as as you connect this, it's in the backdrop. In the news right now is injustice, injustice, injustice. And if there's no justice, there's no peace. And this message of seeking justice, social justice, and, and, and the idea of finding justice. And I want to tell you, it can't be found in this life. It can't be found. And, and it wasn't found in biblical times either, right? Uh, that, that's why this passage was in here. Is because they were being treated unjustly and so what do you do as a believer in jesus christ what do you do dads what happens when you don't get what you want what happens when it's not easy what happens when uh, things aren't turning out the way you want them to and you feel like things are wrong you follow jesus You see, you look to Christ's suffering and and you realize that He is your example. He suffered for you. And and I want to tell you that because He suffered for you, that makes Christ going to the cross the biggest injustice of all of history. The Holy One. The One who had not sinned going to the cross for a sinner like you for a sinner like you and i say you just because i'm pointing at you because you can point at me if it makes you feel better me a sinner like me a sinner like you and me he's calling on those who are treated unjustly to look to him to look to him and the injustice and and really the idea that we caused that injustice because of our sin He suffered for you. And so it says, follow in his steps. The picture here 
is uh, a, a copy, uh, if you will. It's the idea, you know, if you thought about the old days where they had, how, how did you make a copy when you didn't have a machine? You had those pages, right? There are two or three of them together, and you just pressed hard, right? And it came out on the other side. And, and, and you, you have the, the picture, too. I know uh, when our kids were young and we wanted to copy something, we'd put it up to a window, and the light would shine through, and we could trace it. And it wasn't the idea that we were drawing our own picture, is that we were tracing the other picture. And this is the, the idea behind follow in his steps, that we are copying, we are copying what Jesus has done. I, I, w- I want to warn you that in our culture today, doing your own thing is a big deal. You know, I'm just a free spirit. I just like to, I don't like to follow rules. I just like to go. I just like to go and do and make up things as I go along. And this idea of following and copying anybody else, I don't do that. I want to tell you that's bad for you. That's bad for you. Uh, It's bad to copy the wrong one, right? But the idea in this passage is as we suffer, we don't look to other people or get our own ideas. We look to Christ. And what he did on the cross. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of difficulty, we follow in his steps. Jesus' life, this is very important. I I read this, one commentator wrote this, and it's very important. Jesus' life is not just to be admired, it's not just to be admired. Many people look uh, to what Christ did and how he, he lived. And, and, and as they go about that, and as they talk about Jesus and uh, who, who he is, uh, th- this idea is horrible because they say, oh, he was a nice teacher. He was a nice person. He was an amazing man. I want to tell you it's much more than that. It's not just to be admired. It's to be copied. It's to be followed. We should follow his life line by line, feature by feature. As, as we study the scripture, we should say, oh, what was he doing there? How was he doing that? Not that we could be as Jesus, but that he is our model, not somebody else. Well, one of the things that is difficult in our world today, and it's the reason, uh, you know, it's the reason, the practical reason why we are having um, riots and protests and the the primary reason behind that is because generations haven't taught other generations and they haven't modeled what needs to happen right it's it's one thing to teach but if you're not modeling what, what what's going on it doesn't really matter and and i hear this all the time from younger men they say well we don't know who to to follow we don't we don't have a model we didn't have a dad or a mom uh, to show us the way and i want to tell you look to jesus christ look to him and i would say this look to jesus christ and look to other men and women who follow jesus christ right it's it's the idea that we would find models and that we would follow after uh, that we would follow after jesus in his steps we are not doing our own creative thing. We are following after Jesus. This is such a powerful passage. I, I just 
I want to get any every point here. I, I won't. But as we look at this, he says, uh, leaving an example so that you would follow in his steps. Well, what were his steps? Verse 22. He says, he who committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he he did not revile in return, but he suffered. He did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. It's so important for us to remember that as Jesus was taking these steps to the cross, as he was uh, living a sinless life, as he uh, allowed himself to be killed on the cross, he did this in injustice. We look at this in, in our life today and, and we have this idea that we will be obedient to the government. We will uh, be obedient to our boss and those authorities over us only when we like them. Only when we like them. Only when they agree with us. I want to tell you that the passage here is talking about injustice. That Jesus went to the cross. It, it wasn't something that he deserved And He is the pattern for us. Christ's obedient life uh, was lived in the midst of personal injustice. The end of verse 23 uh, is so important for us to understand how this comes together. And it will come up again in the book of 1 Peter. This principle is what what do we do? How, How do we continue to step through this? What did Jesus do? He says in verse in the middle of verse 23, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. What do you do when someone treats you wrong? You get I see the Vaughns here and, you know, I I think about uh, the little Vaughn boys uh, as Ray and Frida were um, raising them many years ago. Uh. When boys are, 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 are young and they, they are playing together and there's an injustice, what happens? They fight, I'll tell you. They'll fight. I, I wasn't there when the Vaughns did this, but I know they fought. The Bozlers fought. I didn't fight that much because I didn't have a brother to fight with. I had a sister who was smarter than me and it just was frustrating. Um, when injustice happens, it's retaliate. Retaliate. That's what you should do. If they hit you, hit them back harder or multiple times. You know, three to one ratio is probably good, if not more, right? I think about that and I think retaliate. That's the simple answer. And it, I would even say it's the natural sinful answer. Hit them back harder. Retaliate. What would you say is the word that Jesus did? As you look at this passage, what did he do instead? He entrusted. Well, what did he entrust? Uh, That's kind of an awkward word, but that word means to hand over or surrender. And you say, oh, I never surrender, never surrender. I want to tell you that it's not surrendering to your enemy. It's not surrendering to the awful government. It's not surrendering uh, to your awful slave master or boss. It's not surrendering to that. Look at the passage. What is he surrendering to? He's surrendering to the judge 
who judges justly. And he's trusting not in uh, that this instance would work out, that I'm going to finally get my way. He's trusting and he hands over his life, his days ahead, the justice that would uh, come into the Father's hands. And I want to tell you that's what should be our method as well. When things aren't going that good, government, slavery, our job, our marriage, how should we handle that? We should look to the one, we should entrust our souls, not to the one who is treating us poorly, but to the one who judges justly. That's a powerful point. Stare at that passage right now. As we look at this, we realize that Jesus' method was not to trust in the Romans, not to trust in Pilate, not to trust in anybody else, the mob, the crowds, whatever. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Verse 24, we see that Jesus is the sacrificial substitution redeemer, okay? That this is Christ. I realize I used too many words for a, a point there. So, okay. Christ is first our example. Now he is our um, sacrificial substitution redemption. Okay. It says in verse 24 that he himself bore our sins. Pointing back to Isaiah 53 again. He himself bore our sins and in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. I, this is where dads come in, right? What do dads need? Well, they need a lot of things. They need a lot of things. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot here today, dads, but I, I know who you are intimately. Uh, and, and what do dads need? Well, they need Jesus. And, and how does this work out? Look at this verse and who is in focus here. It, it's, it's a tricky question because the work of Christ is in focus but the needs of man are the reason that it happened. Think about that right now. Look at that passage. Why did Jesus go to the cross? What did he accomplish on the cross? He accomplished something in and of himself, but it was for men. It says that he himself bore our sins. Why did he go before our sins, right? He, he bore them. He was the one who... Who stood, that's the substitute, right? He, he took that penalty for us. It says in his body on the cross, and, and there's a reason in here. He, he bore our sins. For what reason? So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Die to sins, live for righteousness. I, I want to tell you there's, there's a, some important stuff in here. First of all, you cannot conquer sin without Jesus. You cannot conquer sin without Jesus. So many times people are, you know, especially Americans, they say, we'll, we'll just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Uh, you know, I'll stop sinning. I, 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 I'll be done with sin and I'll, I'll do it by myself. No, apart from Jesus, you cannot. Jesus won what we could not win for ourselves. He bought what we could not do apart from Him. So how do you die to sin? Some of you here this morning uh, might not know how to get out of your sins. I want to tell you, it's trusting in Jesus, His complete work on the cross. That's the key to you dying to sin. 
What a, a beautiful thing to think of, the thing that is killing you, that it would be gone, that it would be eradicated from your life. And you say, well, I, I, I don't know how I could live in righteousness to do what's right. I can't, I don't know how I can do this. In the same way you died to sin, he also, uh, the reason he went to the cross is so we would live for righteousness. And then it says this powerful, powerful phrase for us to, to cling to. By his wounds you have been healed. What a, a contradiction for us. It doesn't make sense that, that he, was, he had, was wounded. He, he went to the cross for what reason? So that we would be healed. So that we would be healed. So important for us to get. This is what Jesus did on our behalf. I want to say this clearly. Um, some of us, there's two, two groups of people here possibly need to hear this this morning. There, there might be some who say, um, you know, I'm just the way I am. I, I can't do anything about it. I, I want to say, no, no, you're not. You're not stuck. You're not stuck where you are. If you want to be stuck, go ahead, be stuck. But Jesus puts his hand out to you and he says, I, I did what you could not do. I, I, I paid the price so that you could be healed. You could be healed. There might be others here today who are Christians who say, well, I just can't, I, I just can't get rid of this sin. I just can't do it. I want to tell you that's a lie. That's a lie. Because of Jesus, you are not stuck. You are healed. Jesus paid for your healing by what he did on the cross. The last verse I'll look at this morning is our third point, the ongoing relationship of Christ. Verse 25, the ongoing relationship of Christ. He says, for, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He looks at uh, what had happened, right? He's already talked about our, Christ being our example, Christ being our sacrificial substitute, our, our redeemer, and now uh, he, he points to what happens now, what, what used to be true, but what is true now. You used to be straying sheep. And th- that seems, some, sometimes in our culture, we don't really understand sheep. We, you know, there's not too many of us who have a herd of a hundred in the backyard. Um, that'd be pretty cool for weed abatement, though, wouldn't it? Uh, um, especially on the hills. Uh, but... We, we lack the idea of sheep, and the idea of, of sheep is the straying sheep. They're fine when they're in the fold. They're fine when they're in the middle. But, but when you stray from the fold, when you're out there on your own, you're at risk. You're at risk, and it's not even uh, enough to say you're just at risk. It, it's, it's extremely dangerous uh, for a number of reasons. And that's you and me, apart from Jesus. Straying sheep, our sins cause us to wander away and do our own things. But he says, that's not the case anymore. You're not a wandering sheep. You're one who is, has returned. And now you're under the care of the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. The present relationship that you have with Jesus, the one who saved you is that uh, he is now your shepherd. He is providing for you, protecting you. 
He, he is the one that is enough for you. He is your shepherd, but he's also the overseer of your soul. He's watching over you. He is, he is caring for you. He knows where you are because you are his own. What a beautiful thing that the, the now relationship for the Christian, for the, for the one who walks with Jesus, for the one who has been saved is this, that you're protected and cared for forever because of Jesus. Three things, three things as we tie up our time here this morning. Simple stuff. Uh, Dads, you need Christ. You need Christ. Uh, You you may have a lot of things. You may have a lot of people. You may have a lot of inputs in your life. But first and foremost, you need Christ. He's your example. He's the one who's done the work for you that you could not do. And he stands as the one who does the ongoing work in your life and guides and directs you for today. In our desperate times, you don't want to make decisions on your own. You don't want to be out doing your own thing. You want to be at the center of the fold of God. And so for us, dads, we need Christ. Number two, and everybody else. And everybody else. I think sometimes, especially uh, I think of single young men and women, they think, well, my life doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter if I do this or that. Uh, uh, No one's depending on me. I want to tell you that our lives are intertwined. And the things that you do today, the, the life that you choose, has implications for the future. And I want to tell you, your life's important to God. And so he sent his son Jesus that you might have an example, that you might have the work that you could not do, the, the sacrifice, the, the, uh, the redemption that you could not earn on your own. And the, the stuff that you need today, the direction, the feeding, the protection, that all comes from Christ. Lastly, I want to say this. Especially for today. Especially for today. Um, I know that you're going crazy inside. I know it. I can sense it. I can sense it. I know that you're, you're flipping out about the future. I, I know that we're spending too much time wondering what's going to happen next. I, I know that. I sense that. I feel that. I, uh, Jeff Fenton and I had some sweet fellowship this last week where we ranted at each other for about an hour about what's going on in the world today. Where's Jeff? I saw him over there somewhere. Had a good time, right, Jeff? We had a good time. Uh, Come on in. We'll talk about it. But uh, I want to tell you, especially for today, especially for today, uh, you, you don't have the resources in and of yourselves to think through what the future holds. You don't have uh, the ideas to guide your family today. You don't have the idea to even quiet your own soul and to say, it is well with my soul. You can't do it. And so as we see the world unravel, we should cling all the more to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. 
God, we're so encouraged that you loved us so much that you gave us your son. That you gave us him to be an example to us that we could persevere in suffering. Even if things aren't going our way, we could still walk with you because we see Jesus has gone before us. God, we thank you for the gift of your son because he did what we could not do. He saved us from our sins, which we couldn't fix on our own. God, he bore what we could not bear. God, we thank you that you have your son standing over us at this time. And he continues to be our shepherd and overseer of our souls. God, do your work in your church. I ask that you would encourage especially the dads today. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.